1775 Bible shows that March is actually the first month of the year, and Sunday, yes, you heard right, is the first day of the week. Take a look. And so this right here is the Bible from 1775 telling us at the time that we used to have 13 months. The first month of the year is March! Look at all the way to the end, guys. There's 13 months. 13 months. First day of the week, Sunday. Second day, Monday. Look at that. Seventh day or Sabbath, Saturday. This is, this is, um, this is the proof right here. I've always been a curious soul, but not in the way you'd expect from scholars or historians. My explorations take place from the comfort of my own home, often late into the night, guided by the soft glow of my laptop screen. This is how I ended up watching a video by Mark Pyers on his channel, Mark Inspires. What I discovered there sent me straight down a rabbit hole. Mark presented an old Bible from 1775, and it wasn't the antiquity of the book that caught my attention, it was the content. According to this Bible, the first month of the year is March, and each week begins on a Sunday. I pause the video. Sunday as the first day? March as the first month? That's not what any calendar I've ever hung on my wall has shown. The curiosity in me sparked. I wondered, if what I was looking at was true, why did everything change? Who decided to flip the script and shift the months around? And why does it feel like we might be out of step with the rhythm that was once so ingrained in our culture that it was worth printing in the good book itself? It was like finding a piece in a puzzle that I didn't know was missing. The more I thought about it, the more questions arose. What if the holidays we celebrate, the ones we've been told were based on ancient traditions, were actually aligned with a different rhythm, one dictated by this forgotten calendar? Take Christmas, for instance, often said to be a rebranding of pagan festivities. If we were following this old system, where would that leave December 25th? Would it hold the same meaning if it didn't coincide with the winter solstice as neatly as it does now? Could this alternative arrangement of time affect not just holidays, but our everyday lives? I'm not an academic with a wall of degrees, but that night, I felt a responsibility to learn more. There was a sense that by understanding the past, by peeling back the layers of changes and adaptations, I might find something essential. Something about how we connect with the universe, with each other, and how we find our place within the cycles that govern our existence. And so, I began a journey. One not through dusty library shelves or ancient ruins, but through the digital realm of information, armed with a newfound determination. I was ready to see where this old Bible's tale would lead me and what it might reveal about the world we think we know so well. Discovering that Sunday might actually be the starting point of the week necessitates a serious reconsideration of cultural and religious norms. It presents the startling idea that the day we traditionally dedicate to rest and religious observance could indeed be Saturday. Such a perspective carries weighty implications for contemporary religious customs, hinting that widespread practices might not align with this historical viewpoint. Astrologically, the impact of such a shift cannot be understated. Each day's energies are traditionally tied to a celestial body, which, according to astrological systems, can influence human affairs. Misalignment between our constructed week and this celestial ordering might disrupt the intended flow of cosmic energies into daily life. For adherents of astrology, this calls into question the very foundation of their practice, 
suggesting a need for a thorough reassessment of how days and their corresponding planetary energies are observed and honored. This raises the fundamental question, who was it that altered the configuration of our week, thereby altering the fabric of our lives? The catalyst for such a change is not immediately evident. It may have been an incremental process, influenced by the shifts in religious and secular authorities over the millennia, or it might have been an intentional move to distance contemporary practice from ancient traditions. One of the things Constantine did was because he wanted the pagans to worship God, Jehovah, was he moved the day of worship to the day of the sun, which is why we now worship on Sunday. Because Sunday became a pagan day. One thing is clear. There seems to be a deliberate discrepancy between our current temporal structure and that of historical records, though the motivations behind this are still veiled in mystery. The departure from the calendrical structure as outlined in the 1775 Bible could imply that many facets of our daily existence are misaligned with both historical precedent and perhaps celestial design. This misalignment extends to significant dates of observance. The timing of festivities such as Christmas and Easter, for instance, might not truly reflect their original intent or season. Contemplating a realignment with this historic calendar suggests the possibility of returning to a way of life that is more authentic, perhaps closer to spiritual principles that have been overshadowed over time. It prompts us to consider whether a shift in observance to align with historical records could reconnect us to a spiritual authenticity that has been eroded. This discourse is not merely about adherence to religious rules or speculative astrological theories. It centers on our alignment with a natural and cosmic order that may predate contemporary calendars. Choosing to follow this route is about much more than date correction. It's a quest to uncover a harmony with the natural world that may have been lost. As we delve further into the contents of this ancient text, we have to wonder what further insights they may offer and in what ways these could revolutionize our current understanding of time, spirituality, and our place within the cosmos. This exploration is not only fascinating, but has the potential to be profoundly life-altering. The 1775 Bible, which intriguingly outlines a calendar year starting with March and comprising 13 months, hints at a bygone era's intimate dance with the cosmos. This historical artifact opens a window to explore how our ancestors perceived time and its connection to cosmic energy and planetary alignments. Historically, calendars were not just tools for marking days, they were intricately linked to the movements of celestial bodies. This relationship was seen in the meticulous attention early civilizations paid to the skies. The enigmatic Stonehenge is a prehistoric testament to this, aligned with the solstices, points in the year that mark the sun's most extreme positions in the sky. In the context of the 1775 Bible, the shifted calendar may point to a forgotten alignment with natural cycles. If March marked the new year, it coincided with the vernal equinox, a time of balance when day and night are of equal length, symbolizing renewal and rebirth in many cultures. This could suggest a time when people were more in tune with the rhythms of nature, aligning their lives with the equinoxes and solstices which were critical to agricultural societies. The choice of a 13-month calendar could also reflect a closer alignment with lunar cycles, 
Traditional lunar calendars, used by cultures like the Hebrews, base their months on the moon's phases, resulting in a year of 12 or 13 months to maintain synchronicity with the solar year. This system is rooted in the observable energy shifts that accompany the transition from one lunar phase to another, which ancient peoples believed influenced agricultural and human cycles. Furthermore, planetary alignments have long been observed and respected. The seven-day week is an enduring legacy of such celestial considerations, with each day corresponding to one of the seven classical planets known to the ancients. The 1775 Bible's depiction of Sunday as the week's first day underscores this connection, resonating with the sun's position of primacy in our solar system. The study of the calendar in the 1775 Bible might reveal more than a mere historical curiosity. It may uncover a lost understanding of time that honored cosmic energy more explicitly than our modern system. It opens questions about how this alignment affected societal behavior, religious observances, and the general worldview of the time. The blending of pagan traditions with Christian holidays is a topic that stirs much debate, especially when we delve into the origins of Christmas. To understand this amalgamation, we need to travel back to the early centuries of Christianity. It wasn't until the 4th century that the church officially proclaimed December 25th as the birth date of Jesus, a date that conveniently coincided with the Roman festival of Saturnalia and the pagan celebration of the winter solstice. These festivals were times of merrymaking, social reversal, and, most importantly, celebrating the return of the sun, Saturnalia for the Romans and Yule for the Germanic peoples. The church's decision to place Christmas during this festive period may have been strategic, easing the transition for converts by allowing them to continue their traditional celebrations now under a Christian guise. But the question remains, was Jesus actually born on December 25th? Historical and scriptural evidence suggests otherwise. The Bible does not specify a date for Christ's birth, and some scholars point to clues that indicate a spring birth shepherds tending to their flocks, which they did during lambing season, a time quite distant from the chill of December. Moreover, the choice of date for Easter, which follows the lunar cycle and the Jewish Passover, reflects a more astronomical and scripturally grounded approach to determining a significant Christian event. Why, then, did Christmas break from this pattern? It seems that the early church fathers were less interested in historical accuracy and more in the symbolism of light overcoming darkness, aligning Christ's birth with the rebirth of the sun. Well, another thing Constantine did was move the day of Jesus' birth to December. Because Tammuz died on December 23rd. And it was believed because Nimrod, his father, was a hunter. It was believed that Nimrod would be reborn in his son Tammuz. And his son Tammuz's birthday was December 25th. And what you would do on Tammuz's birthday was you would set up a tree. Deuteronomy 1621. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. It was believed that in order for Tammuz to rise again as his son Nimrod, you'd have to go to the tree, you'd have to cut down a tree from the forest, and you'd have to put balls on it. And the balls were symbolic of testicles. The tree was symbolic of a phallus. Jeremiah chapter 10, look what it says. 
Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord. Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of the heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. I hate to bring you bad news. The calendar delineated in the 1775 Bible, with its unconventional 13-month year beginning in March, invites us to revisit historical timelines and spiritual narratives. Among the most profound is the birth of Jesus, traditionally celebrated in December. However, if the ancient calendar were a more accurate measure, could it be that the nativity story unfolded in the spring? Such a shift is not merely a technical correction of dates, it proposes a re-examination of astrological and spiritual symbolism that has long been intertwined with the season of Jesus' birth. Spring, marked by the vernal equinox, is a time of renewal, when the earth awakens from the dormancy of winter. It's the season when lambs are born, which coincides with the historical account of shepherds watching their flocks by night, a detail supporting a springtime nativity. If Jesus was indeed born in the spring, the association with Aries, the ram, in the zodiac becomes intriguing. Aries, beginning in late March, is a sign often linked to leadership and new beginnings. Such a synchronization would weave Jesus' birth into the tapestry of astrological lore, presenting him as a figure heralding a new epoch, aligning with the symbol of the ram often associated with sacrifice and new initiatives in various mythologies. Exploring further, the spring equinox is a time when day and night are in perfect balance, which might symbolize the dual nature of Jesus as both human and divine. This natural harmony could provide a powerful allegory for the spiritual equilibrium he is said to bring. This repositioning of the nativity to spring could also influence the spiritual interpretation of biblical texts. For example, the light coming into the world gains a literal dimension as the days grow longer and the darkness of winter recedes. The themes of rebirth and resurrection, central to Christian doctrine, naturally align with the world's awakening in spring. Moreover, the implications for Easter, closely tied to the Jewish Passover, are significant. Rather than a wandering date with the Gregorian calendar, a springtime Christmas would closely precede Easter, linking Jesus' birth and resurrection even more tightly within the cycle of natural and spiritual rebirth. The hypothesis of a springtime nativity prompts a reevaluation of our understanding of one of Christianity's most sacred narratives. It invites believers and historians alike to ponder the relationship between celestial cycles and sacred events. Each potential revelation nudges us to consider how celestial events have been foundational in shaping our spiritual traditions and how they might continue to do so if viewed through the lens of a calendar that perhaps once more closely mirrored the cosmos. The Julian Calendar, established by Julius Caesar in 45 BCE, was a turning point in the annals of timekeeping. This calendar shifted from a lunar to a solar structure, extending the year from 355 days to the 365-day format we're familiar with, albeit with some inaccuracy. A day's surplus accrued every 128 years. In its wake, it is believed that a 13-month calendar, one that may have been more attuned to natural cycles, was cast aside. The reasons behind this transition were both practical and political. 
Roman society, growing increasingly complex, demanded a more predictable and uniform system to manage festivals, agricultural cycles, and taxation periods. It was also a power move. Emperors often manipulated the calendar to extend their terms or to insert their own festivities. These changes, subtle at first, would ripple through time to become vast overhauls, with each successive power leaving its mark on how we measure our days. Why then did the 13-month calendar, which might have had a more natural alignment with lunar cycles, fall out of favor? The omission of this 13th month could be a lost connection to a time when the night sky played a more pronounced role in daily life. Historical records are riddled with gaps and inconsistencies, some possibly by accident, others likely by design. The transition from a 13-month to a 12-month year is muddy at best. There's a school of thought that suggests the church and ruling authorities intentionally steered away from lunar calendars to diminish the influence of pagan traditions, which were closely tied to the phases of the moon. The removal of the 13th month could also be tied to numerology. 13 has been viewed with superstition in various cultures. Its exclusion might have been a deliberate effort to avoid association with a number so often linked with bad luck, or with women's menstrual cycles, which were often viewed with fear or disdain. If indeed there was a 13-month calendar that reflected a more accurate cosmic rhythm, what were the implications of its abandonment? Our modern calendar is misaligned with the lunar cycle by nearly a day each month. Over time, this dissonance could lead to a societal disconnection from natural patterns, affecting agriculture, mental health, and spirituality. Religious festivals, many of which were once synchronized with celestial events, now float through the year, untethered from the rhythms they once celebrated. Christmas, Easter, and other holidays have been assigned fixed or fluctuating dates that may no longer correspond with the times of year they were originally meant to honor. The ripple effects of a calendar out of sync with the cosmos may be more profound than we realize. Agricultural practices that were once timed to the reliable rhythms of the moon now rely on the imperfect Gregorian calendar. This subtle shift may have gradually distorted our connection to the environment, leading to practices that are less sustainable and harmonious with the Earth's cycles. In spiritual terms, the impact is even more esoteric. If sacred days are misdated, the collective energy focused on these times might be akin to misdialed calls in the cosmic sense. Are prayers and celebrations reaching their intended spiritual heights, or are they somewhat off the mark? This isn't to question the faith or devotion of practitioners, but rather to ponder the power of collective consciousness and its relationship to the timing of sacred observances.